1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. All right, now, I'm seated in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. The day my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better and I will never be the same again. Amen. Maybe see it. And if you would put place Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 14, and then also in the Gospel of Luke, and Luke chapter 5. And the Sunday morning series that we've been doing is on the miracle of seed faith giving. And we're, we're all aware of the times in which we're living. You know, yesterday after 5 a.m. prayer, I went to get donuts for the kids. I filled up Jessica's SUV. And uh, she, she's of the mindset that it should not get down to a quarter tank. And I, I'll hear about it. So I keep her car on full nearly at all times. But just filling up her car halfway was more than what it used to be to fill her car up from empty. So these are the days in which we're living. And of course, in Washington, they're not dialed into reality. They're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to keep spending money and printing money like drunken sailors. And while the price of gas is high, it's come out this past week that the administration has been selling oil from our reserves to foreign nations. Corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. So in these days, you can't break even. And you can't pull ahead by taking it out of your wife's grocery budget. You can't break even, and you can't pull ahead. You can't stay at the same level by taking it from this or taking it from that or being stingy. When you go out to lunch after church, instead of tipping 15 or 20%, you ought to tip more because those waiters and waitresses are filling everything that we fill when we go to the grocery or gas station. You can't make up the difference by being ungenerous when you go out to eat. So in these days, how do we not just maintain? In these days, how do we prosper? How do we pull ahead? How do we have more than enough? Well, we have to look to the Lord as our source and our supply. We have to be doers of his word. 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. And that's our Father's will for us, no matter the times in which we live. And you have to renew your mind 
to the Word of God. You go and read countless examples in the Old Testament during difficult and dark days, during days of famine. God's men, God's women, God's people did not do without. So you have to renew your mind to the Word. You have to watch what you are believing, but you especially have to watch what you are confessing. And you may think something negative, don't say it. You may think something you shouldn't, don't say it, don't let it come out of your mouth. One of our launching scriptures has been Mark 4 and verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Last Sunday again I gave you Genesis 8.22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease. This is how God made the earth. This is a law, a principle that he put in place, seed time and harvest. Now I know with the times we live in, the culture we live in, a lot of people don't know anything about seed time and harvest. But without planting, without sowing, there will be no harvest. So as we've been learning, we have to take action today for a better tomorrow. And the harvest we experience in any area of life has everything to do with the action we're taking. So we're not saying that in these days we're going to maintain. We're saying in these days as we look to God, as we're doers of his word, as we do what the word teaches, we're not just going to maintain, we're going to pull ahead. We're going to go to new levels and we're going to have plenty. We're going to have more than enough regardless of what's going on in the world but you're going to have to learn, and better to learn now, to look to the Lord as your source and as your supply. And so in this series, we've been dealing with three principles. Number one, God is the source of your supply. Praise God for the job. Praise God for this or that. Praise God for this or that blessing, but God, number one, God is the source of our supply. Look to the Lord. Give him the praise and the credit and the glory for every blessing, every increase, no matter how small it may be. Number two, know that God wants to be first in your life and in your giving. And when you give, give it as a seed of faith. Once out in the atrium, a lady told pastor that her entire life, she grew up in church, her entire life she had been taught to tithe dutifully, she had been taught to tithe religiously, but she had never been taught the blessings associated with tithing until she came to Faith Christian Center. And she was saying it the way we would say it is she had never been taught to attach her faith and expectation to her giving. Because we're giving, we expect a harvest. Because we're giving, we expect miracles. Because we're, we're sowing and planting, we expect the harvest to be greater than the seed. So number two, Know that God wants to be first. And when you give, give it as a seed of faith. Doesn't matter whether it's large or medium size or a smaller blessing. Give it as seed faith. And sometimes my wife will say that one of the most extravagant things that I do is I get donuts for our children every Saturday morning. And if I don't, I hear about it. So we were just on vacation and you know, we're, we're, to, to me, I'm on vacation, so I'm not doing donuts on Saturday morning. And so when we got back, Michaela was like, well, Daddy, we're back. And so tomorrow morning, I expect Chick-fil-A for breakfast with donuts. 
And sometimes Jessica will say, you know, Austin, that, that, that's extravagant. But there's a small blessing that crosses our hands every single week that covers that. So it doesn't cost us anything at all. It costs me nothing to be generous in that small way with our children every Saturday morning. Number three, when you give, give an expectation. Expect a miracle. Expect the provision of Almighty God. Expect him to multiply that back into your life, not only to further the gospel, but to help you meet your own needs and to reach your goals. Now, if you're moral and a tither and industrious, what is the difference between believers who make dramatic progress versus believers who are just kind of blessed? And the answer is in this series. You know, Dr. Fred Price used to call his TV program Ever-Increasing Faith, but one of the things we're talking about is ever-increasing action. Praise God for how he has blessed us up to this point. Praise God for what we have done and achieved up to this point. But to go to new levels, we have to take greater action. Sophie and Michaela are doing cross-country for the school, and so their coach has got them running this summer, and the goal is 100 miles, and I've been out there doing it with them, and it's putting a whooping on me. And so I felt so good to be doing a mile every day consistently with the, with the girls. But, you know, Jessica's telling me, their coach saying, you know, you got to go to two miles. And then twice a week, you got to do three miles. And, and right now, that, that seems like an insurmountable mountain. But in our lives, to go to new levels in any area of life, you have to take ever-increasing action. And the more action you take, the greater the seed, the greater the action, the greater the harvest will be. Say this, say, my heavenly Father, he is more than enough. And as I take action, and as I sow, and as I'm a doer of the word, I'm living a life of plenty. I'm living a life of more than enough. Now, now we live in a time where we're inching, and not just inching, speeding closer to the end of days quicker and quicker and quicker. And we certainly see the signs of the times. You know, June is a month now in our nation set aside for the celebration of sin, so set aside for the celebration of every manner of wickedness. And the New Testament prophesied that there would come a day where there would be ministers who would tell people what they want to hear, what itching ears want to hear. And this has not been so much an issue the last two, two and a half years because of all the insanity that went along with COVID and the shutdowns, the lockdowns, but some that were not having church at all for more than two years. Now they're having church. Now it's back in the news again. And of course, in this generation, there's a message that's increasingly popular. And that message is basically, you'll be blessed no matter what you do. And if you buy into that and head down that road, it will result in great destruction in your life. Now, I know we got parents here because of the youth meeting afterwards. I know we have some young people here. Let me illustrate that, not from finances, but from dating and marriage. The Bible is clear, Old Testament and New Testament, how we're to conduct ourselves as the people of God. So yes, in Christ, we're blessed, but you have to do your part. 
And so say a young person chooses, maybe they grew up in church, came to faith in the youth group, gave their life to Christ at a youth camp. They know to some degree what the Bible says. But if they, they choose to head down the road of sexual immorality and promiscuity, they're not going to be blessed the way they should be blessed as a child of God. And one of the things they might have to deal with in their life and in their body is what Paul deals with in Romans 1, and that is the results of their sin and their misconduct. The Bible is clear, Old Testament, New Testament. Paul is especially clear. Bad company corrupts good character. And light has no business with darkness. And a believer is not to be yoked together with an unbeliever. And yet, you have some young people, and despite growing up in church, despite all the godly counsel they hear, they, they choose to date unbelievers. And they choose to eventually do what? To marry an unbeliever. Now, is God gracious? Yes. Is God merciful? Yes. Does God love them? Yes. As the Apostle Paul says, is every spiritual blessing available to them in Christ? Yes. But what we do, the actions that we take or don't take, whether we obey or disobey the commands of God, it has everything to do with the results that we experience in life. And it has everything to do with the blessing, the lack thereof, or the level of blessing to which we experience in life. Now turn real quick in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. One of the men that has popularized this, and see there are some ministers in America that aren't there yet, but they'll, they'll eventually get there. But one of the men that has popularized this, he now teaches that once a Christian is born again, they never again need to confess sin. They never again need to repent of any sin or anything in their life. Now anybody that's just been a believer a year or two and has read their Bible some should know there should be alarm bells going off. You read in Revelation the seven letters of the seven churches and at least four, Jesus says to the churches, to believers, repent, return to your first love. You read the gospels, you read the writings of the apostle Paul, Peter and John, read Revelation, you find out that there's coming a day, yes, even believers, even believers under grace, we are going to be judged and rewarded according to our works and our deeds. We're even going to be judged by every word that we spoke. So what we do matters, and what we say matters, and the choices that we do or don't make, they matter. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Do not think that I have come. This is Jesus. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So someone might say, Austin, well, Jesus fulfilled the law, and we're, we're under grace, not under law. And if they take that to the conclusion, it doesn't matter what we do or how we live. And in finances, whether we give or don't give, and they're blessed regardless of what they do, that is going to take them to a very destructive place in their life. Whether you're an adult, whether you let that in your family, with your, your teens. And what I would say pastorally is keep reading. Tell your neighbor, smile, say, keep reading. Tell your other neighbor, smile, say, keep reading. 
I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone. Say to yourself, say anyone. So this doesn't mean whether it's some snotty, rebellious kid in the youth group or some minister that's 60, 70 years old and should know better. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commands, commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. How we live matters. What we do matters. What we say matters. The choices that we do or don't make, they matter. The decisions that we do or don't make, they matter. And in our lives, financially walking with God, whether we sow or don't sow matters. Whether we give or don't give matters. Whether we walk in financial covenant with God or not, it matters. So you just have to decide in your heart, your life, your family, your home, you're going to go with God. And you're going to go with the Word of God. And you're going to be a doer of the Word and you're going to obey the commands of God. Go to the cafe. One of the resources in there is Finest Dake's reference Bible. But somewhere in the New Testament, he's got a list of the commands in the New Testament. And just in the New Testament, there are 1,050 commands. So anyone that would lead you to believe that grace and the new covenant, what Christ did for us means, man, we're good, and you're blessed no matter what you do, it's wrong. And it doesn't matter what part of your life you accept that or buy into it, it'll wreck you. Whether it's morally, whether it's financially, whether it's in your marriage or in your parenting. Some of you, you're still thinking about what I said even before I began the message, spare the rod, spoil the child. Just in the last year, someone approached Aaron, with, not, not with the teenager, but with little one. You know, well, Aaron, do you really think we ought to discipline? We, we, we discipline not because of what the culture says. In our culture, we, we see the results of parents and families not disciplining. Well, we see the results of children being allowed to do whatever they want. Stay up all night. Do, do whatever on the internet. Talk to whoever on the internet. As horrific as the news is, the horror has just begun. So Austin, why do you discipline? Well, of course, that's the example I saw growing up. And Christine and I were smart when we were little. We'd hide, we'd hide the spoons. We'd hide the dowel rods, you know, the little thin pieces of wood from Ace Hardware, the hardware store. So my parents were always going, having to go, and they're having to buy more. And uh, I, I know I have reached maturity when my children hear me say, like my father said, if you don't change your attitude to change the way you're acting, life as you know it will cease to exist. But like the verse at the end of that video, the attitude is like Joshua's, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what's popular. Doesn't matter what the new thing is. Doesn't matter what is popular out there in the culture. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to be 
doers of the word of God. So what we do, it does matter. Turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 28. One of my favorite stories is the story of Jacob. And Jacob gone off to a wrong start. Don't have time to deal with the entire story this morning. And so to me, Jacob's story is all about the grace and mercy of God. But again, we have to do our part. Smile at your neighbor and say, we have to do our part. Smile at your neighbor and say, we have to do our part. And the attitude out there in the culture, the attitude sometimes with young people is, well, I disagree, I'm going to do my own thing. And the results of that is always disastrous. So Jacob got off to a rough start. Liar, deceiver, swindler. He stole both his brother's birthright and blessing. Lied to his father, deceived his father. He got started in life in the worst way possible, and later he, he reaped a harvest because of that wrongdoing. But when did things begin to turn around in Jacob's life? You look at the end of Genesis chapter 28, he had an encounter with God. Look at Genesis 28 beginning in verse 16. Guys, I'm reading out of the NIV. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. This stone that I have set as a pillar will be God's house. And of all, say, say all. Say of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And the word is the word for tithe. Now I'm a simple man, but I see from the word of God that Abraham lived a certain way and was blessed by God. And I see that Isaac, like Abraham, was blessed by God. And I see that Jacob, despite getting off to a rough start, a wrong start, having to flee home in fear of his life, he knew enough with no, no Bible, just from the example of his grandfather and father, Jacob knew enough to know that if I'm going to make it, if I'm going to live, if I'm going to have a good life, I'm going to have to live like my grandfather Abraham. I'm going to have to live like my father Isaac. Now, someone comes along and says, no, 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 you're going to be blessed no matter what you do. It is the perfect message for this generation. And it may be popular, but just because something's popular doesn't make it right. That's why in that video, be sober-minded, be vigilant. It is the days in which we're living. Now, when it comes to giving, believers can make four common mistakes. Number one, they rob God and fail to honor God with the tithe. 10% of the increase that crosses their hands. And then number two, even among tithers, too many fail to obey God with their giving above and beyond the tithe. He loves us. He's for us. He wants to increase us. But again, it's seed time that leads to 
harvest. He knows our, our dreams and desires. So the Holy Spirit will lead us. He'll guide us. He'll, he'll direct us. He'll, he'll put it on our heart to do something, to, to be a blessing to this or that situation. Why? He, he's trying to help us sow today for a harvest tomorrow. But we, ha we have to be led by him. We have to cooperate with him. We have to obey and take action and do our part. And if the attitude is, nope, I've done so much, that's all I'm doing, and no more, that's going to put a limit on what God can do in your life. He wants to do so much more. Third, too many believers don't attach, they don't attach their faith and expectation to their obedience or to their action or to their, their giving. You know, it's you, you hear it, Austin, Brother Austin, it's wrong. It's wrong to give, to get. Well, again, Jesus himself said, give, and what will happen? It will be what? So if I'm a smart man, if I'm an intelligent man, I see from the word of God that if I give, what's going to happen? It will be given back unto me. So the smart thing, the intelligent thing, the, the wise thing is, whatever the Lord leads me to do, I ought to attach my faith to it. I ought to attach my expectation to it. You know, Lord, Lord, I'm doing what you put on my heart. Lord, I'm obeying what you asked me to do, what you, you told me to do. So I'm in faith and I'm in expectation for these miracles to take place. I'm in, I'm in faith and expectation for these dreams and desires to come to pass. I'm in, I'm in faith, I'm in expectation for these needs to be met, not just with enough, more than enough. It's intelligent. And it's not just intelligent, it is biblical. Because our Lord said, give and it shall be what? given unto you. The Apostle Paul said that when someone sows sparingly, how do they reap? But when you sow generously, how do you reap? Well, Brother Austin, we're, we're not under law, we're under grace. That's no different than a husband who says he, he's married regardless of what he does. Well, you may still be married, doesn't mean she likes you. You may still be married, but it doesn't mean she's glad to be married to you. Forget the birthday, forget the anniversary. You may be married, but your actions, your choices, your decisions, and what you do has everything to do with the quality of the marriage and the blessing level of the marriage. So if we're going to obey, why not attach our faith and expectation to our obedience? and our giving, and being led by the Holy Spirit. And number four, believers often secularize. They separate out Sunday from Monday through Friday. They don't take God to work with them. They don't envision God at work in their lives. We, we, I love that last song, he's for us, he's for us, he's for us, he, he, he's with us, he's with us. And you know, you might wake up late tomorrow, you might not have enough coffee before you head out the door, and so you may not feel spiritual at all on your way to work in the morning commute. And maybe there's traffic. Maybe they're still trying to complete one of those highways in Dallas. You know, you don't feel spiritual at all. But he's with you. He's for you. He's with you at work. And so you ought to attach your faith and your expectation and what you envision to that, that God is blessing the work of your hands. God is blessing what you put your hands to. And he's giving you ideas 
I love that from the story of Jacob. He had sowed a lot of bad seeds. So he had some negative harvest in his life. He had a family member who took advantage of him. I believe the Bible says changed his wages seven times. Yet in the midst of all of that, Jacob prospered, he pulled ahead, and he became more and more blessed. And you read his story, what he did, no, no PhD at Texas A&M and ranch management could explain it. It makes no sense to the natural mind. How did Jacob know to do that? Divine ideas from the Holy Spirit. So you got to change your attitude at work. Got to change your attitude in what you do. The Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. He's blessing the work of your hands. He's blessing what you put your hands to. He's giving you wisdom in what you do. He's giving you divine ideas in what you do. So you can prosper, so you can pull ahead, so you can be a greater blessing. James 1 and verse 22, the NIV says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do. Say, why don't we all say, say do. Say it again, say do what it says. And this is the dividing line. James goes on to say faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, it is dead. Some translations, worthless, useless. So there are believers and they get in the mindset, well, I love the Lord and I'm blessed and it's just all going to work out regardless of what, what I do. Yes, you love the Lord and yes, the Lord loves you, but you're going to have to do some things. And you're going to have to not do some things if you want to walk in his blessing the way you should. Isaiah 119 in the Living Bible says, if you only let me help you, if you only obey, then I'll make you rich. The NIV says, if you're willing and obedient. So it's not just a matter of willingness, it's also a matter of obedience. And it's not just obedience, it's also willingness. We have to be willing to live as if God is real as if God is alive. We have to be willing to live as if his word is true. We have to be willing to live as if what his word says is true, that he wants to bless us, he will bless us, but then when the blessings show up, we can't be ashamed of his blessings. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. And I gave the example earlier of dating and marriage and, and family. And sadly, I've seen it. Young people choosing to head down the road of promiscuity. Young people choosing to head down the road of dating and marrying an unbeliever and all, all the trouble that brings. Devoured by the sword. And it's not that God has to do anything. They, by their own sin, there's an old-fashioned word, they, by their own disobedience, they open the door to trouble. They open the door to the curse. They open the door to the works of Satan. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the best. So don't live a life where you're devoured. Be willing and obedient, and you can live a blessed life. Now, just knowing the names of God fixes a lot of wrong theology. I said, after worship, the Lord is our healer. That is who he has revealed himself to be. His name is Jehovah Rapha, which means he is the Lord God our Healer. Austin, Austin why, well, why, why did we just 
do things normally the past few years. Why, why were we not afraid? Because of what the Word says. He is our refuge. He is our fortress. He is our strong tower. And, and even if we're exposed to this or that, even if I have to deal with and overcome this or that, he is our healer. During one of the worship services this morning, I was thinking back to, I believe, December of 2019, before all of this was in the news. And I remember because at that family Christmas, the Sunday, the Sunday morning of that family Christmas, Sophie wasn't 100%, but you know, it doesn't matter. Because of the way I was raised, we're going to church. You're doing your part. You're singing. Well, she, she, she got past it fast, fine. But then when Michaela picked it up, they, they, they share a room. You know, we're, we're good parents. We, we love our children. Michaela's temperature, her fever was so high a few days later, you know, Jessica and I were having the conversation, you know, at what point do we... we need to take her over to Cook's because it's the right thing, it's the wise thing to do while we believe God. Of course, we know now that early on that they had no idea what it was. They, they didn't know what to do. There was, there was no protocol in place, and in many places, there's still no treatment protocol in place. So we just chose to believe God. Now, Jesus says, according to your faith, will it be done to you? But we, we chose to believe God as hot as she was, as feverish as she was, as high as it got. We, we chose to believe God. And you know what? She, she, she's fine. She was fine. She, she is fine. But, but how could Jessica and I do that? Because we know who our God is. His name is Jehovah Rapha. He is the Lord God, our healer. And I believe the new covenant is better and superior to the old in every way. And under the old covenant, the curses and the plagues and the diseases of Egypt did not touch the children of God. And under the old covenant, the Lord told his people, worship me and I will take sickness and disease away from your midst. Live for me, honor me, worship me, and none of these diseases shall come upon you. That's before we even get to the new and Jesus fulfills Isaiah 53. And Peter says, by his wounds, we have been healed. And so if I've been healed, I'm not sick. And if I've been healed, I can act like I'm the blessed and the healed of Almighty God. So he is our healer. He didn't just heal 2,000 years ago. He heals today. I love in the Gospels how again and again, it specifically says he healed all. He healed every. So just knowing the names of God fixes a lot of wrong theology. One of his names is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord God, our provider. So we ought to act like it. We ought to talk like it. We ought to live like it. We ought to be doers of his word as if he is Jehovah Jireh because he is. And another one of his great names is El Shaddai, the almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. Why don't we say that? Say, he's the more than enough God. And you, you might need to meditate on this, renew your mind to it, not just this week, but every week until the end of the year. When you go to the grocery store, renew your mind to it. When you pay for gas, renew your mind to it. 
when you find out about this or that bill going up, renew your mind to it. You know, Jessica and I, we have someone that comes to the house every other week to help Jessica, to help keep things nice and clean. And so, the Lord put on our heart, we got to raise her, we got to increase her, we got to take care of her. And how can we do that? Because we know the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. We know the Lord is El Shaddai. We know what the Bible says. A generous man or a generous woman will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Our great God is El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. And our Heavenly Father, He wants us to have more than enough in every area of life, in every area. Not just enough, more than enough. Why don't we say that? Say, more than enough. So, so that's not getting to the end of the month and there being just $5 left over. And praise God for that $5 left over. But he wants you to have more than enough. He wants you to have plenty where you're not thinking about it. You're not worried about it. You're, you're, you're not in anxiety over it. Read an article recently about how when people worry, the harm it does to their teeth and their gums. When you're filled with anxiety and worry, it wrecks your quality of life. It wrecks your peace. It even wrecks your body. Our Heavenly Father, He wants us to have plenty. He wants us to have more than enough. It is His will. In the Gospels, when Jesus fed large crowds on more than one occasion, He didn't just provide enough. He multiplied the food and provided more than enough. When He fed 5,000 men plus women and children. There were 12 basketfuls left over. You got to change your mentality. You got to change your mentality. You got to give up that cheap, stingy, selfish, not enough. There's not going to be enough. There'll never be enough mentality. And you got to get your heart into alignment with our Heavenly Father. There's plenty. There, there's more than enough. And as Paul said, so we can be generous on every occasion. You know, as a father of five, I'm still figuring out how to order in restaurants in the best way possible. And after basketball camp one day this past week, I took the three oldest, their mother-in-law, just down the street to Whataburger. You know, and I, and I don't go there all the time, so I don't, I don't know the ins and the outs of the menu. And, and before I realized it, I hadn't ordered kids' meals. I had ordered adult meals for everybody but they ate it all they ate it all they ate it all they ate it all Michaela ate hers then she finished off Samuel's and anything else that was available <laughs> but going back to the donuts somebody might say that that's extravagant that, 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 that that's ridiculous but who do we serve you know, growing up, I would hear some ministers say, we serve El Chipo. But some believers, they act like we serve El Chipo. That, that if we're generous, we're going to bankrupt heaven. That if we're generous, there's not going to be more than enough. But he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord God, our provider. He's El Shaddai, the Almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the God of more than enough. Now, you don't run in the red. You don't spend more than what comes in. You, you budget, you, you prioritize, but you, at your level, you have to find ways to be generous. And you have to watch what you say. 
in front of your wife or your spouse, your husband, in front of your children. Don't, don't be negative. Don't, don't say you can't afford it. Don't say you'll never be able to afford it. Say the money's coming in. Say, say the money's coming in. Say, say some way, somehow, Heavenly Father, he's, he's bringing the money in. He's bringing the provision in. Because he's El Shaddai, he's the Almighty God, the God of more than enough. And we see that again and again in the Gospels. Look at Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. Say, say compassion. And he healed their sick. So he, when someone is sick, he has compassion. When there's a need, when there's a bill, he has compassion. And Jesus meets needs. When there's sickness, Jesus heals sickness. When there's a need or a bill, Jesus wants to see it paid with plenty left over. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. In Mark's gospel, Mark records one of the disciples is saying that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much? Verse 17, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks. The King James says he, he blessed. He broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and they were should be on screen. They all ate and they were satisfied. Have you ever gone to eat with someone and left hungry? You ever been over to someone's house? Now don't lie, because we're in church. You ever gone to someone's house or event or birthday party and left hungry? Remember once, being a child, got invited to a relative's house for dinner? And there were these little itty-bitty portions. Now, I know in places like New York and L.A. or London, people go to expensive restaurants, and they pay a lot of money to get five or six dishes of little itty-bitty portions. No one knows what it is. As far as I'm concerned, that's not the best of the land. Whataburger is. <laughs> we went to a family member's house, had dinner, Little itty-bitty portions. We all left hungry. But praise the Lord for my father. Because we had pizza on the way back to where we were going. They all ate and they were? They all ate and they were? Say this, say, my heavenly father, he will not let me go backwards. He will not let me go hungry. He will not. Let me or my family or my children or Faith Christian Center or St. Paul's do without. We will not just have enough. We will have plenty. We will have more than enough. And no matter what goes on in the world, we will eat. Our families will eat. And we will be satisfied. Amen. You got to renew your mind to that. Got to meditate on that. Got to dwell upon it. And even when you go to the gas station and maybe because of where you're at, 
you can't fill it up all the way. Or you go to the grocery store and you can't get everything you want, not yet. Or you can't get everything the children want, not yet. You have to discipline yourself, not to be negative, not to say something contrary to the word. Discipline yourself to say, my God, he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the Lord, my provider. You have to discipline yourself to say, he is my El Shaddai. He wants me to have more than enough. You have to discipline yourself to say, one way or another, me and my family, we will eat and we will be satisfied. And if you'll do the word and say what the word says, over time, you will come to the place where you are eating and you are satisfied and it doesn't matter how little they are, you can order everyone the adult meal as long as they can eat it. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and maybe perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never asked him to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. Our Heavenly Father, he loves you. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. And he gave his son on your behalf. And Jesus paid the price so that everything standing between you and God could be washed away. So you could be a part of the family of God. He did all of that for you. You just have to receive that by giving your life to him. You might be here today and say, Austin, I, I've never done that but I, I want to ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to give my life to him. I want to be a part of the family of God. That's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand so I'll see it. I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. I want to be a part of the family of God. Pray with me. I, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you walked an aisle, but you know in your heart, you're not living for the Lord. You've been doing your own thing. And because you've been doing your own thing, you, you have paid the price. Maybe you've blamed God, maybe you've blamed others, but you know in your heart it's because of the choices, the decisions you've made. I bring you good news. The Bible says the mercies of God, they are new every morning. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's, he's just to forgive us all of our sins to cleanse us from any unrighteousness. You can have a new beginning today. You can have a fresh start today. You can leave here today knowing you have peace with God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that, that's me. I want to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I leave the day. If that's you, wherever you're seated, raise your hand. Raise it to where I'll sit so I'll know you want me to pray with you. For the sake of this young man, we're going to pray. See two young men. If you raised your hand for either invitation, quickly bring your Bible, phone, whatever you have with you. Come join me at the front. We're going to pray. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know this is for you. The Lord is dealing with your heart. Come join us at the front. We're going to pray. And no one will think a thing of it. Everyone will be excited for you cheering you on, because at one point, one time in their life, they, they made the same decision. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.
Y'all stand here, face me. Repeat this after me. Everyone's gonna pray along with you. Say this, say, Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins and I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've lived for myself and I paid the price. But today, I give my life to you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. Thank you for a new beginning and a fresh start. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. I ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to be a help and a blessing to you as you get started in living for God. We'll take just a few moments and follow Mr. Jeff Hughes right over here. He's going to bless you with some resources and materials to help you get started. In each of our lives, we are at different levels, but God wants to take you higher. Our Heavenly Father wants to do more. Paul wrote in Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 20, he wants to do immeasurably more, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. So when he moves on your heart to do something, God's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something to you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to increase you. When you're reading the Bible, whether early in the morning or late at night or during your lunch break at work, and you, you come under conviction about something, then that's not the Holy Spirit trying to hurt your feelings. He loves you. He's for you. He wants you to walk in God's best. He's doing everything he can to lead you to green pastures and still waters. Cooperate and let him lead you into the blessing of Almighty God. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.